0: We are in the Sermon on the Mount. We're calling it On the Rock. You guys been enjoying this 12 weeks in? Can I just see any hands? It's been an incredible journey where Jesus has really come and just taken our hearts and challenged it to the core and set us on a new way of living. I love how there's a great rhythm of out of Sundays into the life groups. And I'm hearing there's some awesome debates at the life groups on these topics, right? Um, The Beatitudes have taught about what it means to be blessed and truly fulfilled in pursuing God, and then the second part of the Sermon on the Mount shifts to the outward focus, where we then focus on people relationships amongst one another. Um, We started with salt and light. We started our Just One campaign. May I ask, if you have had a Just One conversation with anyone out there, just put up your hand and say, yes, I've done that. Just high, up high, let me see. That's awesome. That's great. Now, you guys keep doing that, and at the end of this service, we're going to make it easier for you to keep having conversations with people about Jesus. And then our second week in our people relationships, outward focus on On the Rock was uh, Ricky, uh, Pete that spoke about anger and the law. Uh, he did a phenomenal job. Last week, Ricky had the hard work of doing uh, a, a message on lust and adultery and divorce. You see, I'm dishing out all the difficult ones. Well, I thought so until I started reading this morning's Piece of passage. So I'm excited for what God wants to do today. Um, let's open our hearts, and if you've got your Bible with you, let's open again to Matthew 5, and we're going to be studying the next piece of uh, passage in the Sermon on the Mount. What we said the whole time, what's amazing about this, this sermon and, and studying it, it's the word of, words of Jesus, the preacher. And all we have to do at the front here as we share the word is to point to the words of Jesus. So I want you, when we study the words of Jesus this morning, imagine him speaking this directly to each one of you. The whole core of what we're busy with at the moment and throughout this series is that there's a certain way of living. And Jesus gives us the invitation at the end of this Sermon on the Mount, where he says, whoever hears these things and do it will be like people who built their house on a rock, We sang about that this morning, building our house on the rock of Jesus. And the storms of life will come and it will hit against it, but that house will remain standing. And part of what Jesus is doing here is he's teaching his followers a higher standard of living. He's saying, and I can imagine the reason he went up onto the mound to share this is, say, guys, there's a place that I want to call you up to. There's a way of life and living that I've got for you, that if you apply these things, life is really going to make sense it's going to look completely different. So with that angle this morning, I want us to read the next few passages um, of Scripture as Jesus leads us. We're going to read from verse 33 all the way to the end of chapter 5. And I'm going to read from the ESV. It will be up on the screens. Verse 33. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, tunic is not a musical instrument, it's a piece of clothing. Let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his son rise on evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Lord Jesus, these words are important to you and you've given it to us for very particular reason and we pray this morning that we will discover those reasons and that we'll live it and that we will be people of our lives on the rock in Jesus name we pray amen wow those are strong words agreed i've read it many, maybe 15 times this week i'm like goodness lord you're really speaking very straight and very direct to our hearts in this message And Jesus comes and for the past few moments that we've looked at our people relationships, he speaks about culture and tradition. He says, you've heard before, you've heard of the ancient words, you've heard that it was said, and out of that he comments. Now a few of his few commentaries were based on some of the laws that he has given, but there's also this moment where he starts speaking about the the laws and the way of life amongst one another's. And he said, there's a certain way of doing things that I'm not going to step in and I'm going to address. And I believe this morning God wants to step into our lives and says, there's a certain way of you doing things when it comes to how you live before me and live to one another that I'm going to address this morning. And it's as simple as that. If we align to that, our lives will be like houses built on the rock. Jesus cuts into the heart of culture and tradition in this moment. He steps in and it's quite a heightened environment with all the Pharisees and the religious leaders and his first followers and people trying to figure out who this man is that claims to be the Messiah and there's something different about him and he steps right in and he says, your culture and the way of your tradition, there's a higher level that I have for you and I'm gonna call you up to it. And I thought about this, but isn't that so true of today? We spoke about this at the beginning of our outward focus in this series, that we should not be culture consumers, we should be culture creators. Everyone say culture, creators. And Jesus is saying this morning, I know of the traditions, I know what's been said, I know what what comes for years and, and, and generations, but I now say I'm bringing a kingdom culture into play. There's a complete different culture that that debunks any culture of this world. doesn't matter where you're from, which nation, what you believe. The kingdom culture supersedes all of that. Wherever you've come from does not matter when you become a follower of Jesus. What really matters then is aligning to the kingdom culture that he brings in. That's why he said in his word that you are now citizens of the household of God. That there are new rules to play by that there's a new culture to embrace and to live by. And I looked at these these strong examples and Jesus said, you've heard of old. You've heard that your mom and your dad taught you this. Your oma and your opa have been saying this. And I thought of some things that, that our culture kind of celebrates today and we say to one another, tit for tat, if you're gonna come against me, oh boy, you better watch out. I'm gonna come for you. If you dish out a hit, I'm not going to turn the other cheek. You're going to get what you deserve. Some of the things we say, well, that's just it for Tat. He did that. It's been coming. It's just a little white lie. I'll just have a little bit of poison. I'm not going to drink the whole bottle, but it's okay. It's just a little white lie. Just, isn't that interesting how that's creeped up in our culture? They will get what they deserve. You know what? Just let them hang out to dry. If they've done it, almost like we're playing the judge, like they'll get what they deserve. None of us deserve what we got from Jesus, but we want to be walking around saying, yeah, they'll get what they deserve. We look at the TV, we see the politicians, and that's what what comes out of our heart, right? Like, yeah, they'll get what they deserve. Justice will prevail, and yes, it will, but the justice of God is through the lens of the cross. But our culture teaches something differently. I love this one. Live a little. I get upset when people tell that one to me. As if my pursuit of Jesus is not full of life and everything pertaining to life because the little that you're referring to is not the Zoe life that the Bible refers to. So if you're trying to get me to drink alcohol a little bit more to a place of drunkenness and just have a little bit of fun and live a little and watch a few TV shows that I'm not meant to watch, that's not living at all. That's often when I wanna turn around, it's like, wait a minute, live a little, There's no greater life than pursuing Jesus wholeheartedly. In all of that, it's the fullness of life, but it's become a way of culture. And then we succumb to the pressures of the people around us because they're just saying, you know what, just relax and live a little. Nobody's perfect. You know what, I know I've got sin. Nobody's perfect. Didn't Jesus just say, you've got to be perfect like your Father in heaven is perfect? And I'll get to that, don't worry about it. (laughs) But that's the way we talk to one another. No worries, I'm just real. Nobody's perfect. Some Afrikaans ones that I like. Van lekker lach kom lekker heil. Jeez, how's that for a doom prophet right there? Just just don't have too much joy because just, just, and we do it with our kids sometimes. Just don't, come on. God is the God of joy. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Laugh as much as you want to. You don't have to cry. And in fact, if you cry, then Jesus will take those joys and he will turn it into, those tears and he will turn it into joy again. (laughs) See, my Afrikaans is already coming out. I love just leaning a little bit into the Afrikaans this morning. This one, in in light of what Ricky said last week, growing up as a man, I had my uncles and and older men tell me, you've what? A man can look at the menu as long as he doesn't buy and touch. Anyone, anyone be taught that? A man may look at the menu of any woman's body and what she has, as long as you don't embrace or order or touch it. How terrible is that? It's the way of the world and culture today. Here's some chicken soup for the soul moments. Some things that we as Christians started believing that our culture has taught us. When God closes a door, he opens a window. Anyone heard that before? It's better, the right way of saying it is when God closes a window, he opens a Mac. That's for all the tech people in the house. (laughs) But maybe, maybe God doesn't want to open a window at all because you're completely at the wrong address. Maybe he's just saying, I'm closing that season of your life. I've got something else for you. Get on with it. But we teach these things to one another. The scariest place to be, oh no, sorry, not the scariest, maybe it is. The safest place to be is in God's will. Well, when I look at the lives of the apostles and the disciples, definitely not. The safest, yes, because I'm close to him and living in everything he has for me, but not, not speaking about comfort there. As long as we're just in God's will, then nothing in this world will touch us. Jesus said, do not lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths will destroy it and with these will break in and steal. It's part of life. It's the brokenness we live and it happens. God helped those who help themselves. If I needed to work my way to a certain point and then God says, okay, Pierre, now you've done enough. Now I'll help you. I would have not been here today. It's the grace of the cross that helps us. God doesn't wait for us to do a few steps of hard work, and even for those out there in the world that's broken and there's poverty and decline, He doesn't wait for them to come to a certain step. He steps into their lives through us, the church, and He helps because He's a God of grace who changes our lives and our environments. My favorite, preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. Jeez, that's completely against what the Bible teaches God called us to go and preach, meaning use your mouth and your lips and speak the truth. Now, it was thought that Francis of Assisi said this, but a greater study lately of his life said there's no way he would have said this because he was all for the preaching of the word of God. And that's what God has called us, to be people who go and not just show, but exactly tell, and then the showing confirms what we said. It's not the other way around. We don't just show, 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 and then one day hopefully, our friends and family will ask, oh, great, now I can share. We are called to preach the gospel every single day of our lives. And these are the things that Jesus is addressing. He's saying, listen, there's some things of old, some weird things that you believe and that you've hold on to. And yes, there's some laws that I've put in place way back, but now I'm calling you to a higher standard. Jesus frames all of this in the sovereignty of God the Father. He started by saying, don't make an oath in heaven because it's God's home. It's where he dwells. Or on earth, it's his footstool. Or in, by Jerusalem because he's the, the, the king of the, of the city. And then right at the end he says, God decides whether the will, sun will rise and goes down. And he decides that it rises and goes down on both evil and good. And God decides where he sends rain. And he sends rain on both the just and the unjust and it's important to know that Jesus frames this whole conversation and he's trying to teach his listeners that you've got to be completely aware that there's an almighty sovereign god so involved in your life that when you interact with others you've got to stop and pause for a moment and say okay god you are completely present so if i say anything i say it in your presence if i retaliate when there's opposition It's in your presence because your existence is not just in heaven. It's here on earth. It's in the cities and you are all around. And for us to understand this passage, we've got to get a greater revelation again that God is sovereign and all involved in everything. The omniscience of God, the omnipresence of God, that he is completely, and we said it this morning, he's this great, massive, indescribable God that we don't have words for, yet he is so personal that every time we relate to one another, we do it in a way that we are aware of that power of God that exists. And he comes and he cuts into our culture and he says, there is a greater way of living. I've got a higher standard. And you know what? When you come up to the air, the view is much better. You'll have a much greater experience, and then when the storms of life come and it hits you, you'll be standing strong. Some of us aren't standing strong because we have retaliated and fought those who come against us. Some of us are not standing strong because we just loosely use our tongue in the presence of God. And then we say, it's like, and it's out of anger and out of a weird space that we make a vow and a solemn pledge in the presence of God that we're not meant to do. And that's why he says, all of those things comes out of evil. Be a people that's so aware of me and my presence and my sovereignty that every time you say yes or no, you're like, okay, God is hearing this. Yes, the answer is yes, I'll be there. The answer is no, I'm not going to commit to this. It's funny how FOMO has changed the way that we say yes or no. You get an invitation for next week's Saturday night. Say, I'll let you know, keeping the options open, right? Anyone guilty of that with me this morning? Be people who just say, yes, I'll be there. Be people who, who every time you speak to someone and you make a commitment to someone, you are just a person of commitment. And that's the first thing that Jesus addresses here. He says, I want you to have a truthful heart. Point number one. The burden of Jesus is that his people be so utterly and deeply and simply committed to tell the truth that they don't need buttresses to hold up their words like the fear of desecrating a sacred object. For the Afrikaans people, what we are saying is <laughs> that God wants people to be so committed to truth that we don't need to say, as with God in heaven, or put our hands on the Bible, of that words we use so, so bluntly, exwerpheo. We're just people of truth. When we say something, we mean it. And we commit to it and we live up to it. That's what Jesus is saying here. Don't just walk around and just say stuff. Think about what you're saying. Because I'm God in heaven where my throne is. I'm on earth where it's my footstool. I'm the God of the city that you live in. I'm the God of your life. So be truthful in your heart in everything that you're saying. And then we read later on that James echoes this in James 5 verse 12. But above all, my brothers, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath. But let your yes be yes and your no, no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. A constant regard to the truth renders oaths unnecessary. If we are constantly aware of the God of truth, the sovereignty of him completely involved in our lives, we won't need those things because we are people of commitment and people of truth. And when we say yes, we mean it. And that's the place that God is calling some of us up to today. You know what I love about Jesus? Is that it's such a foolproof plan. He says, I'm gonna go and then I'm gonna send the Holy Spirit and he's gonna enable, empower you to live according to the things that I taught you. Maybe for you it's been difficult. Maybe you've been trying to live at that higher standard and it's just not been that easy. This morning, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to come and knock at the the, heart of, the door of your heart and say, let me empower you to live according to the standards that I have for you. The second thing that Jesus addresses here, he doesn't only want us to have a truthful heart, but a conflict-free heart. Let's read again what he says. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, Do not resist the one who is evil. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. I want to tell you a personal story. When I grew up as a young boy, and I believe to still do the same, um, many years later, but I, I, I always read the word of God as very literal and very He's speaking to me, Pierre. So I've got a responsibility. So growing up as a boy, I was one of those lucky individuals who was chosen to be bullied. Anyone want to relate to me like, and I can tell you stories i don 't know why, but I was the kid they just everyone even at some point, one of the teachers turned against me when a kid did something terrible to me, and the teacher faked that he took those boys into the back room and he faked hitting them, and they all came out crying and, and then afterwards, I heard that he, they ne- he never hit those kids. he was just faking and laughing with them that 's a kind of bullying that I faced as a young boy and I would go home and I would cry my eyes out. I'm like, Mom, Dad, it's just so hard. And then my dad would get his holy Afrikaans anger in there, and he's like, you must and trust And then I'm like, no, I can't. Jesus says I need to turn the other cheek. And I would see my dad just leave the room. It's like, oh boy, this is not gonna work. <laughs> and my mom graciously steps in and tries to explain to me, but you've got to stand up, but in my heart, I just had this sense of, if I can keep being a witness by saying, you know what, beat me up, it's not that bad, that maybe one day i would give an opportunity to witness in front of them. The story kind of goes for me that in, I really had an encounter with God when I was in standard eight. Yes, I'm that old. I still speak about standards, not grades. So I get confused on grades. Standard eight, and I had an encounter with God, and I told one of my teachers, you know what? I actually want to share the gospel message on a Monday morning because you know what? They shared it amongst the leaders and the kids and like, I'll take one for the team. And I did so, and all those guys all the years have been bullying me and coming against me came to me afterwards. They kind of in their weird way said sorry and said, "Yes, we love we just love the way you live life and you think about God." And since then friendships developed out of those same people that bullied me. I can I can mention you their names. I I try and find them on Instagram and see what their lives are like now. But I just had a deep sense, like, what would it look like if I don't stand up and now it is, like, boys, you got to be stand up and fight back. What would it look like if we take the Jesus standard and turn the other cheek? And I read this, and I'm going to put it up on the screen. This is out of the Matthew Henry commentary. It says, the plain instruction is this. Suffer any injury that can be borne for the sake of peace. Committing your concerns to the Lord's keeping. And the sum of all is that Christians must avoid disputing and striving. If any flesh and blood cannot pass by such an affront, let them remember that flesh and blood shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And those who act upon right principles will have the most peace and comfort. I really found as a young man Peace in knowing that Jesus has got my back. I didn't need to fight back. It's just my body. I get a little bit of a beating, a little bit bruised. But I found peace in Christ, complete peace. I'm not standing here telling you a story. I honestly was okay with the fact that I didn't stand up and fought back. And that's what this says. If you can bear something for the sake of avoiding that conflict and being a witness and coming in the opposite spirit, you will be a witness and people will see a higher standard of living. We find this all around in our world. It's not just bullying, but in the business world, chiefs that guys better not do it this time again because then I'm gonna retaliate. I'm gonna take all my business away from him. Do we have faith in the sovereign God whose throne is in heaven and who sees this world as a footstool to say I'm gonna be one living according to your standards so whatever people throw my way, even if they take the clothes off my body, I'll be okay with that. It's weird. doesn't make a lot of sense, right? Especially in today's world where, but you know what? We need to desist and fall back and know that God is the judge, and He will judge according to his standards. It's not our call and our place to judge and make decisions like that. He just simply says, "Turn the other cheek." Paul and Silas were in prison. They were beaten up badly. They never fought back. They were thrown in the inner prison. They sing songs. The angel appears. All the prison doors open. All the things fall off their hands, and they step out, and the prison God wants to kill himself. The guy who just beat them, who's just kicked them, who's put them in this place, wants to kill himself. And what do they say? Don't. You know what? Let's tell you about Jesus. And he gets saved, and his household gets saved, and it was a witness of God. That's the highest standard that he has for us. And Paul and Silas weren't superhumans. They were just empowered by the Spirit like all of us can be. The third thing that Jesus says is you have to have a heart for all people. The context in which he said love your enemies and pray for them was in a context where the Jewish people believed that they are God's chosen, anyone else's enemies. The Gentiles out there, we're not interested in them. The Romans, they're all off the devil, they're all evil. And Jesus steps and he says, you know what? You've been told, don't mingle with these other people. You've got to hate them, in fact. Well, today I'm setting a new standard. I'm telling you, as the people of God, you've got to pray for them and you've got to love them. And we see there the missional heart of God coming out that I've got a heart for all people. Up until this point of time, I have chosen the Israel nation to show my works. But from this moment on and the work of the cross, I now say that all people are equal and there's no favoritism with God. Peter has a vision in the book of Acts where God shows him this cloth with all the food and all the animals that he should eat. And he contends with God. He says, there's no way. That's defiled. That's wrong. That's evil as if we have the right to contend with God like that. God says again, Peter, eat. And after the vision was over, he had the revelation, and he said this. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly, now I understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. When you are opposed by an enemy, God's heart is for that enemy just as much as it is for you. He's Child, his son, his daughter. The same way he's come to you and said, I want to lead you into life everlasting, he's knocking at the heart of that person opposing you and saying, I want to lead you into life everlasting. So we as the people of God have to fall back and say, God, your heart is for that person to be saved. So I'm going to love and I'm going to pray. That's my response. There's no other response when my enemies comes against me but to love. And to pray. And he says this to the people. And he turns their worlds upside down. And then the rest is history. When he went to the cross. And it all became more and more sense. And the apostles started ministering to the Gentiles. And the promise of the Holy Spirit came upon the Gentiles. And they saw the full picture. And here we are today on the opposite side. And we've got to ask ourselves. Do we have a heart for all peoples? Because that's what Jesus was aiming at. I remember my, one of my first mission trips. I'm not going to share too much details of where it was. I was deeply uncomfortable coming out of a pretty secure environment and used to my way of life and my comforts and the things I like. I walked into an environment that was extremely hot and I don't do good with heat. I love the winter. It's just, this is amazing. It can even go colder, but that's just me. Um, so it was extremely hot and humid. I was sweating and <laughs> it was just one of those environments. The next moment they wanted to pray for us and I was surrounded by 30 men with bad B.O., that's body odor, sweating, dripping on end, hanging onto me like this. That was a nice hug. They're just hanging onto me, I'm like, oh my word, Lord. How am I gonna survive this? And it's not just, Lord, bless Pierre, amen. They pray all at once, at the same time, sweat, tears, body odor. And here am I, very white, and standing strong like this. I'm like, God, help me get through this moment. But you know what happened? There was a moment in that environment where my heart, Jesus got hold of my heart. And I repented. I said, God, forgive me that I never had a heart for all people. Because this is the heart that you want. You want us to look at every single nation. You want us to look at every single people's group. You want us to look at those who are aliens in our nation, yes, who do cross the borders, but you know what, we love them because Jesus loves everyone exactly the same. In him, there's no favoritism. That's the way that God wants us to live and he's calling us up to a higher standard. Jesus models this exact words. A few chapters later, when he's beaten to death, hung on a cross, he prays for and he loves on his enemies. He says this, And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Being hung on a cross, he loved them and he prayed for them. None of us have had enemies that want to put us on a cross. We have no excuse to not love and pray for those opposing us. And then this all ends with a strong statement. Be perfect. Teleoi, it's the Greek word there, to be fully developed, full of Christian character as your heavenly Father is perfect. And I wanna say this, a perfect heart is possible because a perfect Father is behind it all. He created you and he created your spirit man and your heart to be Perfect. Sin came and took that away. But because of the cross and because of a father in heaven that's perfect, backing this lifestyle that we choose to live, it is possible to be fully developed in Christian character and be like Jesus in this world. So next time you read that, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Don't see it as a measure to reach. See it as a position that God gives to us to the cross and just live according to this lifestyle he has for us. A truthful heart, a conflict-free heart, and a heart for all people. That is what God is calling us to. And this morning, we're gonna end completely differently. I wanna share a story, and we're gonna watch a quick video, and then we're gonna send you guys out in a profound way. I'll get to that. But a couple of weeks ago, we had our bold conference here, and one of our leaders from another church who was visiting here ended his week walking with his wife on the beach, just wanted a bit of comfort. But because his heart is truthful before God and conflict-free, and he knows that there's a God in heaven and earth, and he's so aware of the presence of God, and he has a heart for all people, he saw a man on the beach, and God said, I want you to go and speak to that man, and that man is here with us. Wonders at the back there, and we're gonna hear just a testimony of what happened when the follower of Jesus said, my heart is in a position that I've got a heart for all people and I'm going to reach beyond myself because this is what Jesus is calling each one of us into. Let's watch this video.
1: Yes, uh, my name is Wanda. I'm from Zimbabwe. Uh, I just want to share with you what has been happening in my life. Uh, I've been here in South Africa for the past eight years. And when I came to South Africa, I was working a good job. Uh, I was living with my family, and we had a happy family. And unfortunately, uh, after my first permit expired, I made some challenges for me to renew the permit. Then I lost my job. And when I lost my job, the situation started to change my life and I lost almost everything which I had because I wasn't working and things were not moving in my, in my life. When I was the, uh, at the beach, I was just praying there because I just made a commitment that I have to kill myself or to take my life because I could not take any longer the pressure which I was facing because we are surviving now on the leftover foods which I was getting from restaurants because I could not have and put a hand on anything. I looked my life there was like a black, I could not see anything, just where I was going, where I was coming from, because of the situation I was uh, surviving. I could not even think of getting a job because I didn't have any documentation that I can get a job. Even though I was qualified, my life was very, very difficult. So I decided to go to the beach so that I can pray. So when I was sitting at the bench, then he came and said to me, he wanted to pray with me, then I asked him if it is okay with me. Then I said, yes, you can pray with me. Then he did pray with me. Then after praying with me, then he said, do you mind to share the story with me, which you are going through? Because I can tell from the spirit of God that you've got a lot of things happening in your life. Then I shared with him what I was going through. Then he told me that I'm not supposed to take my life, but what I'm supposed to do is to receive Jesus Christ. Then he said, do you want to receive Jesus Christ? Then I said, yes, I want to receive Jesus Christ. Then he prayed for me, then I received Jesus Christ. Before he left, he managed to get us some groceries. Then he came to my house. He saw where I was staying with my family, and he prayed with us. Then he promised that he would make an arrangement that somebody must come and visit us. I think it's very important, uh, like uh, from my own experience, uh, the way uh, the pastor uh, from Pretoria uh, managed to, 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 to connect me with God. It was very amazing, because if he was not in a position to share the word of God to someone else whom he doesn't know, by now I would have lost my life. But because of his courage and because of listening to the spirit of God, he came to me and uh, spoke to me and listened to my problems and he saved my life. Because of him today, I'm standing in front of you. You can see me, you can hear me because he's the one who made me not to take my life away, but he made me to receive Jesus Christ. And when I received Jesus Christ, everything started to change in my life. Because when I came to church, it was on a Sunday. Uh, on a Tuesday after the pastor had prayed for me, I received a call that I was wanted for an interview. Then I went for an interview. And when I went for an interview, I managed to get a job. So I was, it was an amazing thing that these people now started to think of me and called me. And my life has changed very much. Because right now, I've got a job which I got through after being prayed for. And somebody has reached my heart. And somebody has reached my family. If it was not that person have reached us, I would not have been standing here in front of you.
0: What a story. A man sitting with things in his hand to take his own life, and someone took just one step. I've got a heart for all people. I want to share something with you. And today, Wander and his family is here with us. And this is what we call to be, the church. It's from living this higher standard that we do this effortlessly. It's from living this life that Jesus has for us that we truly are salt and light to this world. And next week, we don't have this venue and we prayed and we've knocked on doors and we've called every possible school and we've looked at town halls And every door was closing. And we said, God, you're closing the door, so there must be an open window. (laughs) (laughs) But it was this week that we sat together as a team and decided, what a better opportunity for us now, out of everything we've been learning, everything we've been talking about, to go and be the church. And instead of gathering at church on a Sunday, let's actually go and gather elsewhere in the community and just have one conversation, take one step. And be the church of God. So, what we've done for next week, Sunday morning, from 9 30 to 11, we've identified 14 outreach opportunities. So, we are going to gather next week, and we will know whether you're a church or not, because it'll be leaders making sure that you're there. It's not your bunking opportunity, it's the opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus. I'm trusting God for a hundred more wonders. Next weekend, a hundred more stories like that where people have stepped out and shared. And on this piece of paper, you'll see we've got Compassion Outreaches, Halderberg Hospital. We're going to Timba Grabo, the Village of Hope, Makassar, Old Age Home. The night shelter, that one is at four o'clock. We wanted to do it in the morning and then after some investigation, we realized it's a night shelter. So they're not open in the morning. So that's four o'clock in the afternoon. And then the Children's Church are going to go to the House Esperanza. It's an old age home for a concert for the old people, sharing Jesus there. So if you're a mom and a dad, you might want to go with them. But that's our compassion outreaches. And I'll explain to you how this all works in a moment. Secondly is our evangelism outreaches. Risk to reach. We're taking three teams, one to Somerset West streets, one to Gordon's Bay streets, and one to Strand streets or the beach road. That's a nice one. And checking the weather this morning, it's going to be as beautiful as it was yesterday. So... We're gonna be on the street, going up to people and sharing the gospel of Jesus with them. Then there's three prayer walks. Some of us love praying for our Halderberg Basin, for the people, and there's gonna be a walk here in Somerset West. That one is gonna start here from Beaumont. The first half an hour will be here to catch anyone that didn't get the notice that there's no church in the the venue. And then there's one in Strand and one in Gordon's Bay. And then obviously we get to join our Every Nation Zola Church, church. Helena and I will be there on the morning. Pastor Linda asked us to preach there. And then in the afternoon, they started their second service last week. They are just bursting at the seams and Ricky and Michelle will be there for the four o'clock service. (laughs) I don't want you to just leave here this morning just another piece of paper. This is an invitation to take what we've been teaching one another this past few weeks and put it into action. From tomorrow on, we'll communicate strong with you guys every day this week. It might feel like a little bit of spam, but we want to make sure that you get the message. From tomorrow on, you'll be able to register for any of these. Some of them are capped. You can't take 100 people into Haldeberg Hospital. Only 15 can go. Um, But you can take 100 people on a prayer walk. So I want you guys to think about this tonight. And tomorrow, as the church respond, and we'll let you know when registration is open, and choose one of these. You'll also see there who the leaders are that's going to lead those moments. Your leader will meet you and your leader will let you know where you're going to meet. So don't worry, we'll let you know where you're meeting. I know that's a big worry. But um, Lindy, come join me. I want us to, to go think about this tonight and to be the hands and feet and people with a heart for all people. I really believe that the time is now for us to step out and move as the church of God behind our walls. And this is so great. I love that we're not gathering here next week. You can bring a guitar along and worship a few songs before you go. You can listen to Wholehearted on the way there. Sing your songs if you if it's really about the singing for you. But let's go and be the church. Let me jump up. She had a prophetic sense for us this morning during worship that just aligned so beautifully with us. So I'm gonna let her share. Sure.
2: Before I share, I just want to say that um, I see Dave and I on Somerset West Main Road. Um, we welcome about 200 people, so you can all come. <laughs> There's no limit. <laughs> um, yeah, this morning in in worship, I just, the first thing I saw uh, was just dry, dry, dry ground, and some things are just better. I'm glad that Pierre spoke so much Afrikaans, because in Afrikaans, it's not so much descriptive, gebarste grond. gebarste grond, and I felt that God said that for a lot of people, they've been in a difficult season, and it's been hard, and it's been dry, and they've almost stalled. And I felt that God is saying, but the season is changing, but there's a key. The key is that you have to keep on moving. You have to keep on moving with Him. And I saw as the, uh, the feet was moving and stepping over this, almost, it looked like, some of it looked like craters, very big cracks. As you kept on moving and stepping, I saw the scenery changing. I saw it becoming lush and green and forests everywhere. So I just really felt that God said, keep on moving. Keep on moving with me. Keep on hoping. Keep on dreaming. There's areas in your life that you've given up on because you just, you na kraken and you think, so and so am I'm going to stop. I've stalled. I'll take another direction. But God is saying, trust me and keep on moving. Awesome.
0: So... Your opportunity is to move next week. And the first step of moving this morning is we felt to really just culminate this morning around the table of communion, where we get to celebrate this life that we are part of, the blood of Jesus that was shed for us. But from that table, we leave this venue and we're gonna be the church of God next Sunday as we gather around the city and around the Hildeburg. So as Brian plays, just in the background, The invitation is for you to go to the communion table. Jesus said, whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of me. This is my body that was broken for you so that you can live according to this new standard that I'm calling you into, so that you can live in peace with one another, so that you can live truthfully in front of me and so that you can live a life that has a heart for all people around the world. And Jesus said, here's my blood that's cleansed you. You've received grace now let's go and give that grace to the world. And however you wanna take it for the next three minutes, have some communion as a family, maybe as a life group, maybe as a life group, you're gonna go out together and you wanna start and say, hey, all the life group members, we're meeting at that table and pray that you guys be the hands and feet of Jesus this coming week and next Sunday. And then after a few minutes of just us being with Jesus and coming to Him, we're gonna dismiss you guys for tea and coffee. So let's enjoy the communion this morning as a family together.